Welcome, everybody. I am Rachel Levy-Lesser. And I'm Stephanie Goldstein, and this is Life's Accessories, a podcast about accessories, clothing, fashion, and the stories behind them. We are two friends who love to accessorize and who remember what we wore on pretty much every meaningful occasion, and that is what we love to talk about. You can follow us on Instagram at Life's Accessories Podcast and also on Facebook. And you can also email us at lifesaccessoriespodcast at gmail.com with comments, questions, or accessory suggestions. You can also join the Life's Accessories Facebook group, where we're having a lot of fun and loving all of your posts and comments. Basically, if you want to reach out to us, there is a way, okay? There is a way, exactly. That's, that's the headline. All the ways. Just reach out to us, okay? That's right. You will find us. And if you like what you're listening to, we would love it for you to share this podcast with a friend and like and rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Also, please subscribe so that you never miss an episode in your podcast feed. Well, today we are excited to welcome Alex Sulkin. He is a writer and producer best known for his work on the sometimes irreverent animated series, The Family Guy which he currently executive produces. The series, which was created by Seth MacFarlane, first aired in 1999. It went off air in 2002 and was then resurrected in 2004 thanks to successful DVD sales. Do you remember DVDs? I do. I think we still have a few kicking around. How about you? We do. And I'm <laughs> like, why am I holding on to them? Uh, I don't know. Life's accessories. We need to discuss that. Yeah, we might need and, to. And um, also syndication. So <laughs> Alec joined the Family Guy in 2005. And in 2012, Alec co-wrote the first TED movie, which was followed by TED 2 in 2015. Alec also has a podcast called A Typical Disgusting Display, which is for writers by writers who hate writing. Rachel will have to ask him about that. Definitely. And he co-hosts it with Family Guy writer Julius Goldie Sharp and Family Guy engineer Janice Cruz Brooks. And it's a great and entertaining podcast. We have really enjoyed it so far. It's been fun. We? I just listened yeah. to some episodes this morning, actually. I was very entertained. Absolutely. So we are so excited to have Alec on because we think he and his work um, uh, by him and his team, hilariously funny. And I'll just share quickly a fun funny family guy story because I have two teenage boys and we all remember right before COVID as things were starting to shut down, you know, I was um, just a crazy person wondering, are the kids going to bring COVID home from school? And I would ask like a lunatic every day, was everyone in school? Was anyone sick? What's going on? And my, one of my sons who was rightfully annoyed by my constant questioning said that a new kid in his class named Peter Griffin, who I hadn't heard of before, had COVID. And I thought, Peter Griffin, who's this Peter Griffin? And then I realized who Peter Griffin was. That's pretty good. Mm. I'm glad he could make you laugh during a time when you were freaking out and you were contact yes. tracing before contact tracing was the thing. I really was, wasn't Remember I? that? That yes. is pretty, pretty mm-hmm. funny. I was a Purell shopper long before it became fashionable too, I might add. Oh, look at you. Thank you. Um, no, that is really funny. And definitely, I mean, family guy's big in my house too. I have a 19 year old son who, um, you know, now he's away in college, but he, that show was always on in our basement and he and his friends were always talking about it. And I felt like, um, I often tried to bond with him over family guy and it was not hard to do because it's so hilariously funny. And I guess we have to thank Alec for that. Right. We sure do. We sure do. I wonder what accessory he's going to bring on. I, this is no going to be this idea. is probably the first time we've got like the big reveal live on our show. So this is exciting. 
I am very excited. Welcome, Alec. We're so happy to have you with us today. And thanks for joining us. How are you? Well, I'm well. Thank you so much for having me. We are thrilled to have you, Alec. And it's time for me to ask you the big question of the day. What accessory or meaningful item do you want to talk about with us today? I'm going to, I'm going to wow you with this. Wow. I can't wait. While I cover up half of it. The big this reveal. Is my meaningful accessory. So this is a picture of me and Tom. I'm screenshotting Lee. it right now. Okay. Sorry. Continue. That, and by the way, I like to point this out for the audience. That's Tom Brady on the left. Okay. I wasn't sure. I was slightly confused. <laughs> okay. Okay. So okay. This was from, I had the chance obviously to meet him. I, uh, in my mind right now in this photo, I there's it's a total blank. It's almost as though I met the Beatles. And, you know, I, I had no idea what to say. I was I'm I'm never at a loss for words, but in this moment in my life, I absolutely was. It was on the set of Ted Two, uh, which he was nice enough to do a cameo in for us. And um I just went right up to him, handed uh my cell phone to actually Seth McFarlane, who took this photo. And uh, I think Seth told me that I said, thank you for all the happy Sundays. <laughs> That's so, amazing. What a lovely thing to say. Well he, put. He gave okay. us a lot of them. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put yeah, this Yeah, he sure okay. did. He that sure is did. awesome. Because I don't want to get my fingerprints off. So the other side is me. The... That, yeah. That's me at the Super Bowl that year where, where they won. And so I'm, I'm, that's the confetti is raining down and I'm holding it. Beautiful. My like, which, which year was that? That was the great Super Bowl. Uh, it was at the beginning of 2015 where okay. um, they beat the uh, Seattle Seahawks with that last second interception. Okay. Alec, is this the part where I tell you that I'm from Philadelphia and my son is a lunatic Eagles fan and um, great. he's yeah. going to have a great week. Yeah, let's hope. Let's hope. Yeah, so yeah. This, right. is, this is Super yeah. Bowl week. Just yeah, for... this is Super Bowl week for all of our listeners. Yeah. So by then we will know. It will all be That's revealed. Right. Yeah, it will right. all be I'm, revealed. I'm rooting for the Eagles. Okay, good. Yeah. That that makes me happy. I will tell yeah. my son. So um, this picture is pretty amazing. Can you tell us where you keep it um, and what it means to you? Sure. Well, I keep it in, I'm, I'm here on Cape Cod. And I keep it on uh, on top of uh, a piano. And there are a couple of other pictures of, you know, me and my wife and daughter, which I shoved to the side so I can display <laughs> Tom Brady prominently. Nice. nice. Um, yeah. But yes, I, I you know, it, um, it means a lot to me because obviously uh, Tom means uh, so much to this area where I grew up. Mm -hmm. um, I think he literally transformed the identity of uh, an entire region of this country um because growing up i was just used to you know being a loser was part of our identity growing up i can up. relate i can yes. relate growing up and, here as well yeah so everybody yeah. kind of grew up with a with a larry david attitude uh <laughs> you know everything was wrong and in, in unjust and happening to us and how is this so unfair and then along comes Tom Brady and the floodgates opened with all the championships from him. And I believe I I've said this before, but I firmly believe the Red Sox never would have won a world series had it not been for Tom Brady winning in football, because I think that the pressure 
that had put on the Red Sox organization, they said, oh my, we better get our act together here. They hired a new GM, Theo Epstein. We started getting these good players and then it, everything changed. I love so, that theory. There may, yeah, there may be something to that. I think so. I think the yeah. Red Sox were just sliding by among the losers in Boston for years and years. <laughs> and um, then when the Patriots were no longer losers, they said, we got to do yeah, something. They, they needed to step it up big time. Yeah. Yep. So um, as far as Tom goes, he has announced his retirement for the second and we believe final time. Yes. But what do you think? Do you think he'll actually retire as a Patriot? Well, I don't know. I heard that too, that, that uh, Robert Kraft wants him to come mm-hmm. and sign a one day contract and, and uh, retire a Patriot. I, I fear if he comes and, and signs that contract, he's going to end up on the field, you know, for us. Well, I, 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 I don't think he's going to do it. I don't, I don't know why exactly, but I just have this feeling like, I don't think he's going to do that. I think he, kind of wants to be remembered as his own brand Mm -hmm. his own thing Mm -hmm. and I think by coming back to the Patriots it's sort of him saying this is who I am um and you know he was as successful as you can be somewhere else too so I think that he is probably just going to retire as Tom Brady as opposed to Tom Brady Patriot now if you're talking about the Hall of Fame I think he should be obviously enshrined in uh (laughs) with a Patriot logo. Yes, yes. But yeah, I don't think he's going to come back for a day. But And I think he is going to stay retired. That makes sense. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned to us that that picture was taken when Tom Brady came on the set of Ted 2. Can you tell us about how you got him to come on to the set and onto the movie, what that was like for you? Yeah, well, it was the the (laughs) short answer is it was awesome. Um, yeah, I can imagine. But the uh, the longer answer is when we were writing Ted 2, I mean, there were three of us who wrote both of those movies as myself and Seth MacFarlane and my then writing partner uh, named Wellesley Wild, not to be confused with Wellesley, Massachusetts. And That's so quite the name, isn't it? It's a That's very, a good name. Very waspy name. name. That's solid. That's solid. Yeah. No, I've 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 worked with some of the best waspy names ever. (laughs) Wellesley Wild, Theodore Carrington Jessup, and Hayes Davenport. That is good. (laughs) All like lax players and the whole thing. I mean, I actually don't know that any of them were lax players, but they had that lax player vibe. Vibe. Yeah. 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 Totally. I love it. So we're, we're writing Ted two, And I think we had the general, like what, this is what we want the story to be, you know, and, and we're kind of tracking that through, but then we had the thought of like, we need to add just a couple of funny scenes um, along the way to, to sort of divert from the, the linear story I'm of the three writers, I'm the only one who gives a shit about sports. (laughs) So I said, this is the Boston area, like Ted and John Mark Wahlberg would be obsessed with Tom Brady, as we know Mark Wahlberg is anyway. Um, And so we wrote this scene for him where if you remember, they sneak into his house in the middle of the night and they yeah. pull back his yes. covers and it, mm-hmm. it's just glowing <laughs> yes. gold, like the uh, briefcase in Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so 
uh, it, what happened, I believe, after that was Mark Wahlberg was the one who reached out and made contact with okay. Tom to get him. And Tom was, I think we caught Tom at, at exactly the right time um, because he was already a huge superstar. had won three Super Bowls. But I think had we caught him like now, it would probably be tougher to get him right. just because he was he was a big star then, but he's a global thing now. So, yeah, timing is everything. It was it yeah. was a great cameo, that's for sure. So yeah. so tell us what was your aha moment that got you into this business of writing and producing? Mm. Well, I wish it was as simple as an aha moment. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like some eureka where it all traces back to, you know, childhood and school and, you know, not being a very hard worker, but kind of being a class clown type and just understanding at an early age that I was not, you know, I was not born to be like someone who works really hard. <laughs> and, you know, at different times as a writer, wow. as as a writer, I've I've had to, but that's in spurts you know it's not like works really hard or not works in a traditional office right like nine to five right not works in a traditional nine to five certainly not because you do work hard well right yes we're telling you that you work hard (laughs) we are we are telling you that exactly the kids we work i work hard very (laughs) hard kids yeah um but yeah so uh, when I was in college, I went to Connecticut College, mm-hmm. uh, New London, Connecticut, and uh, my senior year there, I was lucky enough to get an internship at Saturday Night Live. Wow. So my senior year, I just sort of arranged my schedule. So I only had classes Monday through Wednesday, and then Wednesday night, I would take the train down to New York. I would stay in New York City through the show and come back to new London on Sunday. It was like the coolest thing ever. Um, and I knew, yeah, I was, it it all, you know, like many things in life, it, a a lot of luck sort of came into play there. Um, but I, I realized, I think working there that that was something that I want, I, you know, I wanted to be a writer there. Mm -hmm. Um, and that didn't work out. So I had to go and start doing stand-up because I was living in New York. And and even though stand-up made me no money, it, it was at least something I could tell my parents. Like, I'm, I'm due. I'm going out every night. <laughs> um, and uh, luckily, again, that led to me getting my first job out in Los Angeles as a writer, which was 1999. And then I've just been doing it since. Can you tell us a little bit about some of your work on The Family Guy? Stephanie has two teenage boys. I have a 19-year-old son in college. He like never texts me back. I mean, he's in college. And when I told him who was coming on the pod, he actually texted me back. So thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I could facilitate the that. Great yeah, it, it, was like, it was like seven yeah. texts back and forth great. and then we were done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, I'm yeah. told now that if you want to communicate with your kids, you have to like comment on their posts like yeah. that's the only way you can really get them to, yeah. to communicate back with you but I love it strange new world we're living in yes um yeah. 
Yeah. So uh, I'm sorry. Can you repeat the question? Sorry, I just wanted you to tell us about um, your work on the family guy and how that came to be, because we sure. have Stephanie and I together between the, th- the two of us have three super fans. Yeah. You've made yeah. us cool moms. Thank I, you. For that I, wa- I literally walked into our family room yesterday and what was on TV? <laughs> not not American dad, family guy. Sometimes. Okay. No, Sometimes. that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. Um, I uh, so in terms of how I got to family guys. So as I just said, I I had moved out to Los Angeles in 1999. I was working on a late night show there for a while, the late, late show with Craig Kilborn. Yes. I worked on that for three years and I decided at a certain point that I wanted to get into the sitcom world as opposed to the late night world, because it just through just the way it works is if you go to sitcoms, your ceiling to earn money gets higher. Like you, you at, at late night, you can only kind of rise so far. And in the sitcom world, there's more room to grow. So I went out looking for a job on a sitcom. I was lucky enough to get hired on this show that was briefly on Fox called The Pits. It was only on for like half of a year. And, but the showrunner of that show was a man named Mike Scully, who had been a showrunner at The Simpsons for many yeah. years. Mm-hmm. So that was already, you know, I, I, growing up, The Simpsons were like the coolest thing in the world and, and mm-hmm. so funny. And I worshiped it. And it was exactly, you know, if I could be working with someone to work with someone who was on The Simpsons and running it was really exciting. So I went to work on that show. It had a fantastic writing staff smaller staff but it was all like Simpsons people and people mm-hmm. that I had heard of which is rare right. in the writing world uh, but and one of the people on that show was Seth MacFarlane Family Guy had been on the air for a couple of years and was then canceled and mm-hmm. so there was this little gap before it came back and Fox had told Seth like hey we want you to work on this show The Pits just because Seth had this big contract and he wasn't doing Family Guy anymore So Seth and I are the same age and we became good friends on the pits and we used to hang out together, uh, you know, outside of work. We do karaoke and go out, you know, at night and because we were young and uh, and all that. So a lot of kind of partying. And then one night at karaoke, he was saying, yeah, they're talking about bringing a family guy back. And would you want to come work there? And I was thinking to myself, there's no way they're bringing that show back. They don't, they don't do that. <laughs> you know, it's been canceled. Right. Like they're, it's, yeah. forget it. you know, let it go, dude. <laughs> and, uh, and sure enough, you know, a couple months later, he called and said, they are definitely bringing it back. Would do, do you want to come work there? And I said, absolutely. And that was uh, now it's going to be 19 years ago in March. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. And that show has stood the test of time. So my question is, is how do you keep coming up with different and new storylines? Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a challenge. Um, But we always seem to, we have a very large and talented writing staff. So Mm -hmm. most writing staffs on TV shows are around 10 people and ours is uh, over 20. And so that's something that happens where, you know, by just, as you say, time, standing the test of time, you, Mm -hmm. when the show becomes more successful, then they, they can make the writing room a little bit uh, bigger. Bigger. So what that gets us is that you just have 
20 people now kind of thinking all the time about new episode ideas. The way that works is people will email me these story ideas and say, oh, I thought this could be funny. That could be funny. And, you know, like, like anything, most of them are not quite right, but yeah. you get enough to keep going. Um, so it's, um, it's been good. It's, it's all because the, the people are so funny and, and keep thinking up weird, cool ideas. <laughs> <laughs> to be a fly on the wall. It in that is, room. I know, I know. Yeah. So wow, Family Guy, fun. we can attest to it from our boys, definitely has a cult-like following. What do you think? Where does that come from? Well, I think huh, it's it, it's a few things. You know, it it definitely, as as you two can attest, it definitely seems to slant heavily towards males. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I encountered, you know, so many people who say, you know, my nephew, my son, yeah. my grandson, whatever it is. So I think just boys and men love the crude humor <laughs> and then yes they do they love um pushing boundaries in terms of like what you can say and what you can't say and then also their young boys are loud so they they <laughs> talk about it a lot you know you, they just they're spreading the word a little bit more effectively so i think we've it's like we've got a lot of like young strong cheap labor in terms of like who's spreading the word about <laughs> yes, family yes. well if you like if gorilla you in my house, exactly yes, yes. i mean we often hear you know sounds of quagmire running through our house so uh you're a hundred percent you hundred percent right yeah that's a very i apologize for that he's a very dangerous yeah. character no he it's good very... and you know what you you've made us bond a little bit too i also have a teenage daughter as well but my son will sometimes tell me some of the like he'll say something and I was like where'd you hear that family guy and right. I'm like that is hilarious right right so no, you, I, that's you brought right. the moms in too there, yeah. there are often you know the the mom you got to watch this clip right I mean it's right. it's I get that a lot yeah know, making dinner I'm like this is gonna burn what well watch that's this it's so funny that's a good point too uh, I mean now with um with uh, like Instagram and TikTok, I, I notice, of course, like Family Guy is the clips are all over those, and that that really helps, yeah. you know, keep it it's popular. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so switching a bit to back to Ted, um, which I mean, the most clever, most how do you even come up with something like that? Like <laughs> well, that, really, on like. <laughs> well, that was, I have to give all credit to Seth on that. Yeah. that. The whole thing was his idea, just the the kernel of it in terms of a boy makes a wish and his teddy bear comes to life and then skip to, you know, 25 years later and they're still living together. Um, and the fact that it was set in Boston is just perfect for that kind of humor. You know, first of all, Seth is great with those kinds of voices. And also Boston gives you that thing of like of like you can be smart but you can also be an idiot and you can also say things that you wouldn't say in california or you know boston gives you a lot yes oh yeah Yeah. lots lots of material is this when we tell alec about the ted cake you made for your son oh yeah i forget which birthday it was i probably shouldn't even admit because it was probably too young for it to be appropriate but uh I was so proud of myself because I crafted a cake that looks just like Ted. And you know, when babies chortle, I mean, yeah. that was 
that was the sound coming from him when he saw it for the first time because Aww. he couldn't get over it. It was hysterical. <laughs> what a mom! I was, it was it was a masterpiece. I have to say, yeah, it was a big, truly, big mom, truly mom big. Stephanie's yeah. a very talented baker. We actually <laughs> met through a baking show, so I just want to give you some background. She'll make cakes for like a woman's like 40th birthday party. She'll make a cake that looks like a Chanel bag, and then here she is uh-huh. making like a, a Ted cake, which oh, is pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, That's awesome. Can I ask you a little bit about your podcast? Um, sure. A typical disgusting display because I've listened to it. Stephanie's listened to it. And it's, you say that it's, it's with writers who hate writing. Now I'm actually a writer. Stephanie's a writer. I've written a few books and I don't want to say that I hate writing, but I definitely don't love it. And what I like about writing is when I'm done, I'm done with that. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I mean, I, I have a lot of author friends and they'll be like, I just wake up and I just can't wait to get to my computer. And I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. So I love that. Can you tell us how that came to be? And, and um, you know, tell us about some of the guests and what you're doing on the podcast. Sure. Well, first of all, thank you for listening to it at all. Um, but so that that came because um, the the guy I do it with, he's from Lexington, uh, Goldie. Um, and uh, so I've known That's him. That's my for- son's hockey nickname, by the way. Goldie? Yeah. Uh, I love it. Um, so he he and I are, were the same age, you know, we've known each other for a while. And as negative as I can be, he's twice as negative. So it's <laughs> it was just something that like hanging around with him and he makes me laugh so hard. I know he hates writing and I and he knows that I'm incredibly lazy sometimes. And uh, so we just decided like, yeah, we'd love to do a podcast about writing, but also it's a little disingenuous because we don't really love writing, but we're, we're happy to like talk about it. Um, So we try to talk about reasons why we hate it and how to kind of get through that your hatred of something and, and be effective in terms of guests and, and things like that. We, uh, Tomorrow we're recording uh, Seth Myers, which is exciting oh, for cool. us. Heard of him. Uh, yeah, and and we've had <laughs> Craig Kilborn, obviously, because we both worked with him. We we were both writing on that show, and he was great. We we've, we've had Steve Levitan, who's like very big in the writers' world. Uh, he created Modern Family and um, wrote on Frasier forever. And so we get a lot of guests that are you know kind of like that. We we try to have it have something to do about writing but now we're trying to get like you know the Seth Meyers of the world that's mm-hmm. very exciting for us oh we had Weird Al on too that was oh very wow that yeah. is that's, cool that's surprising yeah that's a fun one so tell us about the name what does that mean a typical oh. disgusting display which Rachel knows I love the word disgusting great word <laughs> it's great such word. a good word I'm yeah. so glad you asked this and it was it, it, it's actually a Boston area reference so um, the the Celtics used to have this iconic announcer named Johnny Most. Yes, maybe you've heard of him, right? And he yes. had a, he had a voice that was yeah. like this. Yes. And, you know, he was such a homer. You know, very yeah. hometown, like bias towards the Celtics was was a legend in Boston media, and so. Oh, the Celtics used to have these epic and very heated clashes with the Detroit Pistons in the in the mid late 80s. And 
everyone in Boston hated Detroit and, 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 you know, Detroit hated Boston. And so Johnny most during one of the games, there was, you know, some Detroit guy committed a foul on one of the Celtics. And that's what Johnny most worked himself up so hard. He said, this is just a, a typical, a typical <laughs> disgusting display. And so that stuck with us throughout the years. And we just that's thought it's brilliant. Good title. That I love funny. that. I love sort of like the inside baseball nature of that, but that yeah. it also is yeah. like, you know, it works for what the podcast exactly. is. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But here's, here's a writing question, right? Sure. So you've got all these ideas in your head. I mean, in my opinion, I feel like it's like exhausting because you just want to pour it out onto the page, but to do that, you've got to type it. You've got to, you know, what, like, how do you get past that? Cause it's daunting, isn't it? Yeah, well, um, luckily, where I work, you know, and have worked for almost 20 years now at Family Guy, um, there's a benefit in having like, quick ideas, you know, ideas that aren't, if this is not the idea for like the great, uh, the next great American novel, you know, these are ideas for something fast and funny for, uh, for Peter Griffin to do some fast joke about something on television. Um, so what I do, and I guess I'm, I'm sure a lot of people who work on the show and, and other shows do this, is I just honestly use the notes app in my yeah. phone. And, huh. and, e- and even that is annoying. You know, yeah. it's, right, like, right, right. it's not it's not like I have to, you know, cut a feather quill and dip it in an ink pot, <laughs> right. and write it on parchment. I can just right. simply grab the phone out of my back pocket and start typing things down. And even that seems like too big of a chore sometimes. Maybe voice memos. I've tried Maybe. that too. And then yeah. I have an issue with the sound of my own voice. So when I play it back, nothing sounds funny. And I'm just like, That's I so funny. I don't want to it's do funny you said the notes because I was sitting on my couch last night. We watched some show and I thought of a couple things for the pod. So I wrote it down on the notes app and I was like a little bit annoyed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe I have to I was log like into my fire type this. Yeah. I know. It like it it and it doesn't it, it doesn't anticipate the right words and it's underlined right. and spelled wrong. It's like, well, shut up. I'm and just then doing you, this. you indent <laughs> a line and it goes over and you're just like, yeah. yeah. And then it throws in some bullets right there's like a graph and you're like what just happened yeah yeah just because i hit return and all of a sudden i'm in powerpoint oh my god my kids have a couple of questions for you because of course i said you know today's the big day yeah so number one yes is if you had to tell someone you can only watch one family guy episode Mm -hmm. which one is the funniest one oh well those seem like two different questions to me, but okay. the, the one, if I, if I could only tell people to watch one episode, um, there's an episode and I'm sadly, I can't even remember what it's called, but it, it's where Brian and Stewie are trapped overnight in a bank vault. It was written by Gary Janetti, who was, you know, like our most talented writer. I see you. We nodding. love Gary. Well, we love, yeah. I have, we have a thing. I we have a Gary. thing with Gary. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Gary yeah. Gary's the best. I and will. So, I will wait in line for three people in the world. He's one of them. You uh, might be the fourth now, but but no. no. Like the other one is Ina Garten. Just so you know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, so it's bon, a variety. Bono, so Bono's variety. the third. Yeah. yeah. But go go on. Sorry. Bono. <laughs> yeah. It's a mix. Yeah, <laughs> that is a yeah. great mix. Yeah, so Gary Janetti wrote an episode, yeah. and usually the way it works on Family Guy is the the writer will go off and write 
uh, a draft of their script and then it comes into the main room and we have a, a big rewriting process. Um, this script that Gary wrote, nothing was touched. Like it didn't, nothing changed at all from when he handed it in. It was just so perfect. Uh, so that, if 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 you want to watch one, that's my favorite. In terms of the funniest, I would probably say there are a couple there. Um, the There's one, an episode called Road to the Multiverse that was a very popular one from, from maybe 10 or 15 years ago. And then, of course, I have to toot my own horn, although the staff, you know, helped out immensely with jokes on this, which was our original Star Wars episode called Blue Harvest. So those are those would be probably my my three. That's awesome. Yeah. Circling to, to Gary, I have to say that yeah. he is so funny. So when he was doing the royal family stuff, the George stuff on Instagram, it was at a time when my mom was having chemotherapy. So she's not it wasn't on Instagram. But I would, you know, go with her to her appointments and show her. She's like, what's my friend Gary up to? <laughs> and she would be laughing so hard. The nurses would come over. We'd be crying, crying. They'd be like, are you guys okay? We're like, what? <laughs> Gary's our guy. I mean, we just, yeah. speak, we love his royal stuff. And, you know, we have our own little royal banter going on. And we are, the yeah. guest who came on last week, that it actually aired last week, she's a royal expert. And oh. her accessory was a little bit different than the Tom Brady picture. It was the dress that Diana wore to um, dance with John Travolta. Ah. Yeah. So that was like our royal episode where we talked about spare and all that. So it was oh, kind of funny amazing. that you're bringing Fun that stuff. Fun yeah. stuff. Amazing, amazing. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. well yeah, Gary, um, you may know, uh, you, I'm sure you do, if you follow his Instagram, that a couple of years ago, he had that animated show on HBO yes. called The Prince. Yes. Which I thought was very funny. And and Gary, uh, when I saw him after that, I said, what, are you going to be doing season two? And he said, no. He was like, the queen canceled it. And so I was, and, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, Gary, you have delusions of grandeur, you know, like, that's not true. And then we have a friend who's an HBO executive, and she was like, absolutely, the royal family reached out and asked us not to do it Seriously? anymore. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Wow, they really are <laughs> the is, firm, aren't they? They are. Absolutely. Yeah. I think my mind just exploded yeah, that, on that, that one. Cool. That's, That's incredible. Lot. Yeah. Um, so so second question, um, mm -hmm. is bird truly the word? Oh, Bird is always the word, and especially uh, growing Thanks for up, confirming. Growing up in the town of Larry Bird, Bird has always been the word. Bird that was, is the word. That was something I'll I'll never forget. We were in the writer's room, and we were talking about that episode. We were writing it, and that's the episode where Jesus comes back. Yeah. Like you're the voice gone. of Jesus, right? That's correct. This voice mm. you're hearing now is exactly you are Jesus. That's right. I'm feeling that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, so we were talking about it and, and Seth was saying like, like it, Peter's got to really love a very stupid song. Like he's looking for the record for a very stupid song. I love music and, you know, I'm, I'm sort of a, I wouldn't say a music savant at all, but I know a lot of like shitty music from different eras and all that kind yeah. of stuff. So. I'm sitting there like pitching all these different songs. Oh, this is a really stupid song and Pac-Man fever and, you know, like just spitting out all these songs. <laughs> and then we have this writer named Danny Smith, who's from Rhode Island. He's been on Family Guy forever. And he's also great with music. He's older. Uh, he's in his um, 60s now. 
but he came into the writer's room and I said to him, I said, yeah, we're trying to pitch on like a stupid song for Peter to like enjoy. And before he even his ass hit the seat, he was like, oh, Surfing Bird by the Trashmen. And like, so then we put it, we were all listening on the computer and Seth was just like <laughs> acting it out with the dance and with singing dance. along with yeah. it. So that's oh, how that was born. Oh, that's awesome. Great. Yeah. Um, well, I guess speaking of Larry Bird, if we could bring it back to um, your initial accessory, which by the way, great choice first photograph that's ever been um yes. been on the show yes. we've had like we told you before we started recording we've had all kinds of jewelry all kinds of clothing we've had tennis rackets we just had a championship um squash ring for somebody play, who played um okay. college squash so we love the photograph we love yeah. the tom brady is there maybe um another photo that you could see um getting up there on the piano near tom and near your wife and daughter which i realize they're to the side you mean yeah <laughs> like the is there any is there any I other hope, i hope they move them to the front yeah <laughs> i mean, you yeah. mean if there is there someone theoretically that i might meet and have yeah. my picture yeah. yeah. with them? who oh, else yeah. who well, else is up there paul mccartney yeah. okay okay yeah okay. I, I would pro- i might even shove tom brady aside for that Ooh. wow wow do you hear that tom Wow. <laughs> I'm covering his, his ears, which is yeah. easier to hear. Um, oh, and I actually, I actually do have a picture. Um, it's in another room of, uh, I got to meet Michael J. Fox and mm-hmm. I got a really nice picture with him. Um, so that, awesome. that was a good one, but I, you know, I guess if I maybe like Obama, not to get political, mm-hmm. but like yeah, if I no. had, if I had my picture with someone like that, I would be fired up to put it up on the piano. But I think Paul McCartney is really the only other human who would, I would shove Tom Brady out of the way. Okay. That's fair. So speaking of music, you mentioned karaoke. So Mm -hmm. what were your favorite karaoke songs? If you remember, I'm curious. Oh, if I remember, of course I remember. Yeah. So I have a, I, I like to say I have a wide range, but my, my two favorites, which are on opposite ends of the spectrum, one of them is uh, Billy Joel's Allentown. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Love it. it. Yeah. Yep. That's that's a nice sort of working class. I'm one of you kind of mm-hmm. songs. Like we're, you know, I can drink a beer with the best of them. And then over here is LL Cool J's Mama Said Knock You Out. Oh, that's such a good one. Yeah. That's that good. one. That's, that's an end of the night one. You really wow. covered the spectrum there. I that did. That was really, excellent. Really good. Yeah. That was good. Now I'm going to be singing those songs when we pulling them up on Spotify for the rest of the Rachel, day. Rachel, do you, do you have one? Do you have a karaoke for one? For karaoke? I mean, yeah. this is sort of embarrassing, but my most favorite song and everyone who I went to college with knows this and it's kind of random. It was what they always played at the college bar when I was there is Come On Eileen. <laughs> and it's yeah. like cheesy, but it's just my song. And even now, like my college friends, their kids know that it's my song. So I'll get, I get texts from people all over when, when come on Eileen ever comes on. So there you go. Ah, that's a, Hey, that's a, in terms of one hit wonders, that's a, that's a big one. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, definitely. What about you, Steph? Uh, total eclipse of the heart, but that's with my, that's with my college girlfriends. Right. Oh no, no, no. No, Uh-oh. I'm throwing it's a penalty right. flag on that. All right, because, that's fine. Well, I, it's a great song. Yeah. Right. It's a great song, but I have a couple questions. Yeah. Could could you sing it on your own? Oh, oh yeah. 100%. Okay. Yes, so yes, you yes. Have a, you have a, it I've done like it. You, I've done it on my own for karaoke. Do it I on have. your own. Do it yeah. on your own. Yeah. I can tell you it, as an audience member at karaoke, 
there's nothing an audience likes less than when six or seven women get up there. No, and no, no. It was not a, it wasn't it. It that that's <laughs> that'll shut it down. It's the pregame song. It's not the oh, uh, pregame. Okay. To be clear, um, yes, sorry. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. I can't take it there now. We'll have to talk about this no. offline, but Total Eclipse of the no. Heart was Stephanie and I are closeted acapella fans. And that was one of the ones that they did in my college acapella group. So, oh, that's yeah. great. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. yeah. So that's Total Eclipse of the Heart is Bonnie Tyler. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 So it, it yes. was, it's interesting to think back. You know how people notice that, like in Hollywood, they're like, you'll have like Dante's Peak and Volcano. You'll have Deep Impact and uh, Armageddon, two movies, two Prefontaine movies at the same time. So I think that era in music, you had Bonnie Tyler and Kim Carnes and they both had the same, I would have loved to have seen them in a rasp off. Because yes. they like they were both. I don't know how they were the same, right? We accepted With, like, them yeah, both the hair. How yeah. did we accept them as two different people? You're right. You're that right. So true. You're remind, the, Those the Billy Joel. Names. The Billy Joel's reminding me of um, we didn't start the fire, and I'm thinking back to high school on the field hockey field with my my dear dear friend, and we would just we think we were fullbacks, and we'd just be lonely back there. <laughs> yeah, you were singing it. Yeah. <laughs> Do you we, sing it correctly or did you just make up nonsense lyrics? We tried to be as precise as possible. Okay. We so did. We, we, we tried. A, we tried. So that, that song for me was very similar one. It's the end of the world as we know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we are all of the same era. If there's yeah. any kids listening to that, they're like, what yeah. are you talking yeah. about? Like, yeah. What, where's this um, going, right? We have so loved talking to you and we feel like we could talk to you forever. But before we let you go, can you tell our listeners where they can um, find you and follow you um, oh. on social media and stuff like that? Sure, sure. So on, on Instagram, I'm just, it's just my name, Alex Sulkin. And uh, Twitter, uh, my name on there is The Sulk, one word. Like um, and, uh, you know, our podcast, as you so kindly mentioned, a typical disgusting display. Uh, it's just wherever you, you get podcasts and it comes out on Mondays. Great. We'll put that all in the awesome. show notes too. Yeah, we will. Oh, nice. Well, well, this it was, was so much fun. Thank you so much I, for joining us. This you guys setting so this up. I mean, this is, I, I don't know if our listeners can know the, the connection that Rachel and I have. So They can know. Oh, okay. yeah. So Rachel's, Rachel's brother, Johnny, and I were camp mates at Camp Kennebec for many years. I want to say like six or seven years we were there together. Yes. And Camp yeah. Kennebec is no longer exists, but in its day. In its day. Did you go on the Allagash trip? I did. It's funny. So the Allagash <laughs> trip is the, the oldest campers go on this whitewater canoe trip down the Allagash River in Maine, which I think is the only, at least they told us this at the time, the, the only river maybe in, in North America that runs south to north. Is that right? I, okay. I think they all kind okay. of go the other ways. Yeah. So, so it was very rough and we knew this going in. And we so there are two people to a canoe. And it was two campers in each canoe and you had all your gear in there and it was white water and we're only whatever, 13 or however old we were. So there's a real danger of tipping over and getting all your stuff wet and yourself wet. You had to draw names out of a hat for who your, your canoe partner was going to be. I drew the head counselor who was a white water expert 
<gasps> it was like, oh, it was well like I pulled out and I was just well like, done. oh, Uncle Hal. I was going to say, they called all the counselors Uncle. 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 Oh, yeah. And yeah. He, I remember Uncle, uncle Hal, Hal. Gave, uncle Hal gave a speech before, and he was a Southern guy, gave right. a speech before we all left. He's like, now y'all got to stow your gear properly because it will get wet. He goes, Alex is not, not going to get wet. He's never going to get wet. And I was just <laughs> like bumping my fists. I'm going to have to ask Johnny who he went with. I That's was so on a site. I was on a sightseeing tour while everyone <laughs> That's else amazing. was like white knuckle. I'm, I'm I class five say, rapids. You're just, you know. I heard out. stories of the Allagash my whole life because Johnny went there and so did my older cousins. And, um, you know, I went to a girl's camp where I was, t- you know, nothing could compare to the Allagash. So um, <laughs> right. it's just so funny. That's such a small world. But yeah. yeah. I think whitewater rafting is probably one of the most terrifying things. Yeah. At, uh, at, least, at least the raft is, is like comfortable and you don't really have to do anything. And the canoe, you have to do a lot. Like you have to yeah. literally steer and, you know, miss rocks and everything on the raft. You can just go over stuff. Right. Yeah. Well, supposedly it was a big bonding experience and I'm glad you guys survived. We I did. feel like as 21st century parents, our kids would never be sent on a trip like that. Never. 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 And I Never. wouldn't want them to, by no. the way. I mean, you get a call from the camp if there's like a hangnail. So yes. it's a different world. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, truly thank is. you so much, Alec. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in. And we will talk to you all next time. Bye.